listening to cornellradio.com the internet is just a fact Sun-kissed bodies wandering Between you and me As if they don't see this distraction This beautiful view This delicate you in the way If I fall
All right. Hello and welcome to Scientifically Speaking on CornellRadio.com. We are Cornell University's scientific, educational, funny-ass talk show. Ass talk show. We're not an ass talk show. Today we are a little Today we're kind of an ass talk show. (laughs) I'm kind of an ass talk show. (laughs) We have a special guest today. Taylor Heaton is joining us today for our special end of the semester show. I'm Taylor Heaton. I hope I'm not an ass. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Fair enough. Ass talk show. All right. So what... What's our guys? This is our last episode. Yeah. So, uh, what are we talking about today? We're talking about. That's right. Let's Thanks, talk Scott about Snap. sex, baby. <laughs> Let's talk about you and me. Let's yeah. talk about all the good things and the bad that could potentially happen. And I butchered wow, salt and pepper lyrics. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Um. So. I'm going to turn Zach down a little bit because he keeps overloading the mic. Um, so, uh, I'm just super strong. So really quickly, like we said, we're talking about sex. Um, we're not going to like pussyfoot around the words. <laughs> we're going to use the correct words to describe the acts. So um, if you're you know, going to be offended by those, don't turn off. Just listen anyway because it's important and you should hear what we you have know, to honestly, say. Honestly, like, we should just get it over with now. Penis, vagina, clitoris, anal sex, oral sex. There's not that many other ones. That's actually not that bad. That's, that's actually yeah, semen. Yeah. Breasts. Orgasm. Yeah, orgasm. Ejaculation. That's a good one. That's a fun one. Yeah. Okay, that's, I think that's it. That's just it. So- ejaculation. Like it just sounds like the thing that it is. It sounds like someone's jumping out at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Okay. So uh so uh, what is sex exactly? Okay, so sex is when you you so you have like two, well, okay, not necessarily two. And um, so it's like a man and a, okay, so not necessarily it man, have to be and a man and a woman. Um, so when two people, okay, I guess it doesn't really have to be, it doesn't have to be people. One, what it, one what or more organisms uh, doing, do, shit. What is sex? Okay. All right, uh, this is going to take a little while to explain. Well, that was, that was. About <laughs> an hour and a half, actually. So it's going to probably take <laughs> us like the full time to go through this. Um, by the end, though, you'll probably have some idea of what's going on and a Maybe. potentially a half chub which apparently there's a clinical term for half chub um it's called where is it partial tumescence <laughs> tumescence is tumescence it's, it's, it's either tumescence or tumescence i've like never actually heard it pronounced i would assume tumescence yeah no that definitely sounds more so tumescence obviously dave keeps stepping on my headphone wire and it's really frustrating tumescence is like full erection so partial tumescence is going to be the clinical name for um half chub i like half chub better we should probably keep using that i like half chub better okay all right. That was weird out of context. That was Go weird ahead. in context. <laughs> <laughs> what should we talk about first? What's our first, what's our number one goal here? I mean, let's just start with like, like how, like why sex happens like in like a really long term, like evolutionary sense. Why does sex exist? Why, like why, like what the fuck why is Why does sex? That our whole why? life sort of <laughs> why does sex? around. <laughs> I mean, we joke, but like, we're kind of programmed to like. Yeah, we're basically like like, all of all the things about you that aren't genitalia exist to like make your genitalia be better. (laughs) Your legs are only there so your your penis can walk around and (laughs) get places. Every biology textbook I've ever read always talks about the four F's: fighting, fleeing, feeding, and mating. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we can say fucking here yeah yeah so look at that wonderful um anyway what is sex why is sex sex is important for a very big reason the big reason that sex is important is because of genetic variation so okay say you're a bacteria you can just split yourself in half and then 
the other half goes on its merry way and you continue going and now you've got a perfect copy of you out in the world. That right? sounds painful. It's it's not. Um, <laughs> you do it every because day. You're a, a lot of you, a lot of parts of you do it every day. Like constantly. But not you. It's kind of you. Hmm. Let's that's not a, get that's into a, that's that. a discussion yeah. outside of the scope of this discussion. <laughs> so anyway, so that's like okay, why would you want to have to go search out a mate? Isn't it better to just sort of split in half and go on your way without having to worry about finding another thing to put you in or put in you or whatever <laughs> so what happens so. when you have a disease that targets specific things it looks for this sort of organism if this sort of organism doesn't change at all its entire species is going to get wiped out by this disease <laughs> so the whole point of sex is to have some sort of genetic variation and even the simplest life forms of bacteria um, do something that is similar to sex and it is called conjugation. Okay. Conjugation so like is... like verb conjugation? Yeah. Yes. Oh. I mean, it's literally, they are conjugating each other. Okay. I don't know what that means. You're going to so have to I go. will explain. Okay, great. So, um, <laughs> bacteria have these little things called pili, and it's like a little bacterial penis. And what they do is they just, like, <laughs> stick it into each other and transfer plasmids, which are little circular pieces of DNA. And so, that's literally, it's a stick that it sticks into another and puts in some of its DNA that's pretty much identical to the sex that we have. Huh. Bioshock taught me that plasmids are like superpowers. Is that wrong? <laughs> kind of no. <laughs> I think the way that they're used makes some vague amount of sense they in like Bioshock. You inject into yourself and now you can shoot but the like point is you be a genetically modified hands. organism? Yeah. That's like the thing in Bioshock though, right? Is yeah. That like you get, you like become genetically yes. modified by injecting. So that's like sort of what the happens. Splicers. A bit. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Your anyway. Jeans, something like that. So we have so thing. many things to talk about. We should so, definitely get back on track. So even bacteria do something that's very, very similar to sex. Uh-huh. So clearly this genetic, this idea of genetic variation is so important that almost every living thing has sex. Your mom had sex. Your dad had sex. The trees have sex. That squirrel over there has sex. Shane has sex. Probably. I don't know. Yes, but you do. You know. Lots of <laughs> <laughs> every living thing around you most likely has sex. Wait, a tree has sex? Trees have sex. Pollen is the male oh, gamete. yeah, okay. So when no. you're allergic to trees, it's because tree jizz is in your nose. <laughs> Beautiful. That's literally That's perfect. Although I don't think I've ever not sneezed when I got jizz in my nose, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, all, all the times. Are you, are you zero for zero, or is this something <laughs> <laughs> 47 for 47. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly specific. <laughs> well, yeah, I have a tally. Why would, Do you not keep track? Tally-ho. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about. Go ahead. What, what, what's next? We're <laughs> I do So okay. So we just mentioned that like lots of different things have sex different ways. I'm assuming yes. that like they're all like startlingly different in yeah. some ways. There are lots of things that have lots of sex in lots of different ways. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so I guess the first <laughs> thing we should talk about is sort of the origin of sexual dimorphism. Sexual dimorphism is a term for when the two different sexes of a species male or female, look different in okay. some way. So, for example, for the humans, our sexual dimorphism is that men have penises and women have vaginas. That's like the most obvious external difference in anatomy. So, then there's differences in like chromosomes, for example. So, like, women are XX and men are XY. Mm -hmm. And that's like... So, in humans, sexual dimorphism sort of starts at the chromosomal level, where you have XY versus XX females. And those chromosomes sort of, it's that initial step in determining whether or not you're going to grow up to be a boy or grow up to be a girl. So, obviously, that's sticking to a gender binary, which may or may yeah. not actually exist. Also, more importantly, 
technically, just insert this. Boy and girl are... Insert. <laughs> Dear God. Yes. Um, gonna it's going to be like this all day. This is going to be insane. <laughs> um, boy and girl are gender descriptors. We're really talking about sex descriptors. Yes. So, like, there is a difference between gender and sex. Yes. Gender is an sort of internal identity. Sex is a biology. Sex yes. is still not binary, but it's, mm-hmm. but like usually easier to identify. Um, and we're talking about chromosomes. We're talking about determining the sex of an organism, not gender. They yes. are usually correlated, not necessarily always. Not linked. necessarily always correlated. Yeah. Exactly. So the point of sexual dimorphism is to have some sort of reason to mate. So like you have a penis and a woman has a vagina and that's, you know, you have a sort of system in place to do that and make a baby that's, you know, not just, that doesn't just grow off of your shoulder and then drop off when it's old enough. <laughs> oh God. Like a tree. Because if we reproduce by budding, that would be fucking terrifying. <laughs> oh God. That's not how I came about. Is it not? Are you sure? <laughs> I don't want to think about my parents having sex. <laughs> so you choose to accept that your parents, like your mom, you just butted off of your mom. Yeah. That's actually valid. You know, I'll give you that. Honestly, first, that's creepier. There was. I, <laughs> I am more freaked out by that. <laughs> back back when I I didn't know what sex was, right? I didn't know how babies were made. There was some kid just walked up at one point. He's like, you know, your parents made you by having sex. I didn't know what sex was, but also I was like, no, you're making that up. I don't believe you. Uh, this was two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I said it to him, and he got upset with me. So anyway, let's see. What's what's the next? That kid's what's a, a criminal good? now, I guess. Oh, I think. so sexual dimorphism. So of course we have these chromosomal differences, but throughout development, males and females. We're talking specifically about humans here. This applies to other things, but we're going to stick to humans mostly for this episode. In fetal development, humans develop differently based on what sex they are. So there's different hormones that you know happen in your body that make different things happen, and. Uh, Male-based hormones are called androgens, and female-based hormones are called estrogens. That doesn't necessarily mean that only women have estrogen and only men have androgens. The point is that these are sort of uh, estrogens are sort of the female hormones. For lack He's of putting air phrase. quotes around, yeah, put air quotes you around guys can't that, see but yeah. that. But um, <laughs> and male hormones are called androgens. Now, males and females both have some combination of both, but men have more androgens than estrogens. Is testosterone an androgen? Testosterone is an androgen. All right. Um, Then we have the external differences. And these external differences are um, based on hormonal changes. So different levels of androgens and estrogens will cause these different um, uh, uh, growth patterns in your fetal development. But what's interesting about this is that males and females aren't very different for a long period of time in development. So a lot of like the tissues that make up our genitalia, for example, are homologous to a tissue that makes up some part of female anatomy. For example, um, the penis is uh, derived from the same tissue and is therefore homologous and almost kind of identical in a lot of ways to the female clitoris. They're hmm. the same thing, pretty much. There's even, like, like all of the various... Comp- there's a clitoral shaft... There's a which clitor- turns into the shaft. There's a clitoral hood. Which turns into the foreskin. It's like very, hmm. very, very directly analogous because they're literally the same at the beginning. And then Another example. Kind of weird. Um, <laughs> the labia majora in females, those are the outer lips of the vagina area. Those derive from the same tissue as the scrotum. <laughs> so... Uh, uh, so. So that's weird. Try not to picture that transformation. It's no, kind I'm of picturing terrifying. It. I'm not <laughs> working. <It's, laughs> not picturing it isn't working well. But yeah, if you meet a girl with um, some big lips, you can say that she has a nice scrotum. 
don't don't hey. do that. <laughs> Can you say that? No. <laughs> you can say any number of things. You shouldn't say that one. Pickup lines by Dave tend to not go well. So. Yeesh, dude. So is that why we have like nipples, nails have nipples that are more uh-huh. or less useless? More or less useless because we're so very similar for a long period of time and nipples are only really useful for women when they're lactating and giving birth. So. Huh. We just sort of have them because Bizarre. there's no real evolutionary now, need to get rid of them. Now imagine males without nipples. You know what? I can sort of do that because I saw this guy. He oh, no. lost like a ton of weight, and so his skin was real loose, and so his skin hung down, and his nipples, you couldn't really see them. Oh, and they so were like on the underside? like with just skin. Yeah, it's weird. It actually, it's so the like, guy looked like he was weird. melting. Yes. Oh, <laughs> It was pretty that's, unfortunate. That's sad. <laughs> well, hey, good for him for losing of, the weight. Yeah, yeah. that's a negative side effect of like a really surgery, positive so thing. I guess that's there we go. That's, that's the point of plastic surgery. Anyway. Actually, male nipples can lactate, too. It's like rare, but it happens. What? Yeah. Is also, that a hormonal thing. Not really sure, but it's it's a weird, rare thing that happens. Glands, glands. Yeah, like what what kind of secretion is that? It's okay. So the reason that we have anything like that is because um, nipples are essentially modified sweat glands. So okay. in the evolution of mammals, uh, we had these sweat glands, and we were like, hmm, we can make a little nutritional thing that our young can lap up and be healthy and strong. And those got condensed into little faucets. <laughs> um, I wish you guys could see what chest. he's doing with his fingers on his chest right now. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, and so that that's so basically milk is modified sweat. And so that's bizarre. Male lactate is probably mm. similar it's to probably sweat. Just mostly sweat. There's probably some probably not as nutritive value as like <laughs> I would not think so. Breast that's milk kinda, would have. That's kinda like it's gross. probably more like sweat. But <laughs> a lot of gross going drinking on. drinking lots of sweat when you're a little baby. Oh god. Oh, Straight from the Gotta dad get those electrolytes, nip. right? Straight from the dad nip. Dad nip. Is that like the dad bod? Yeah. Something awful that just shouldn't happen. <laughs> the dad bod. Uh, okay. So that's anyway. That's some weird stuff going on. Well, that's interesting. Why is the dad bod sexy? Why do we find members of the opposite sex sexy? Why is the dad bod sort of in right now? <laughs> So to be fair, I'm pretty sure it's not. I'm pretty yeah, sure someone like a, realized that like there's like one or two girls who were like actually attracted to it, and a bunch of other girls who were like okay with it. And they were like, "Go, this is a thing," and then wrote a bunch of articles, and people were like, "All right, no. one of these days, tall, skinny, lanky guy is gonna be in, and oh my god, it's gonna be wonderful." Let me tell you, <laughs> I can't wait for the day that my body type is like in. <sighs> we'll just better. write an article about it and start a whole thing. That actually would probably work. Yeah. Hey, uh, BuzzFeed, <laughs> no, 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 help her brother out. Elite Daily, oh, even better. The epicenter of all ridiculous trends. <laughs> so, you find things sexy because of a little thing called sexual selection. I think, Taylor, you probably know a lot about sexual selection because you're a better biologist than I am. This is great because we have a, finally another biologist on the show, which is wonderful. To be fair, we also had a biologist engineers. on the show oh, yeah, my dad was two awesome. weeks ago. Um, so, Taylor, you want to explain a little bit about sexual selection? Any like interesting why it happens, how it happens? What's the point? How is it different from regular selection? Um, yeah, okay. So the idea behind sexual selection would be that females or males choose their opposite sex based on traits that would make them propagate their species more so let's say i'm a male i want to attract a lot of females there are certain traits that i'll have that females will see will have sex with me and i will pass it down to my offspring so somehow through generations well genetically they're passed down and those traits are amplified so like for example um a great 
awesome example of this would be the birds of paradise so you guys ever see those cool birds on like bbc life of birds series with all those extreme ornamentation kind of weird dances they're super crazy (laughs) yeah so that's an example of um, females looking for interesting traits in males and then from there just that whole clade of birds radiated because you know Females like weird, awesome things. <laughs> Good to I know. I can attest to that. <laughs> Shout out to my boyfriend. Do a funny dance. and. Uh, <laughs> now we know. So all we need to do is grow a real long tail and get some sweet ass feathers. And ass feathers. Ass feathers. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, tail. <laughs> ass feathers. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah. There's a funny um, oh thing called the sexy sun hypothesis. <laughs> S-O-N. The, sexy <laughs> the first sun time you hypo- said that, I literally thought you meant S-U-N, and I was really confused. How this it's pretty hot. That's hot, man. <laughs> hey. Oh, oh no. The same joke. Jinx, you both owe no. me a soda. Except Two sodas. I'm going to do that. You can fuck right off. Um, so the sexy sun hypothesis is basically what Taylor was talking about, how you want to pass down your traits, your good traits, because, sorry, you want to pass down your traits, and so the good ones will survive. The good traits that you have will get passed on because they are good for whatever environment you're living in. The sexy sun hypothesis is this idea that um, potentially certain species don't actually, it doesn't really matter so much how sexy the male is. For example, if a female's choosing. It doesn't really matter how sexy the male is, but it only matters how sexy the male offspring of that female are. So... A female, for example, potentially might care more about how hot her sons are than how hot her husband is. However, Uh, in order to get a hot son, presumably you would pick a male to be your mate with those attributes. So it's less that you're picking because he's hot and more that you're picking because he makes your sons hot. Because you want your kids to be hot. Exactly. Yeah. Which is a weird self-propagating game theory phenomenon in which, like, think about it. Like, think about how bizarre that is. There if everyone in the species is doing that, women never, ever care about how attractive their like mate is, but they assume that all other women do care. That's the only assumption they could be working off of. So they have to. Be, so they're picking males that are attractive, not because they give a shit, because they know that when at their son's generation, all of those women will give a shit. In reality, <laughs> no one gives a shit. But they keep propagating this idea by selecting <laughs> men who are attractive, also, so like that they have an instinctual sort of like sons. Yeah, right. Well, not necessarily in like a cognitive way. Yeah, but like, exactly. But no, it's, a, it's an interesting point. Well, some females have their cake and eat it too. Like they will mate with the sexy ones. And then choose a male that's not necessarily so attractive, so he won't be as uh, promiscuous, but he will be a good mate and take care of those babies. Yo. Oh, I know. Yeah. Clever, right? Yeah, Males no. Are good. That's, yeah. <laughs> um, that's being a good up. father is potentially <laughs> a, a sexy trait right. yeah. for a lot of animals. That's really funny. There are actually a lot of animals that, um, uh, despite like being scary monster animals, will be like very good parents. Like there are, um, so uh, daddy long legs, apileonids, they're like the, not spiders, but they're the big harvestman things. Um, they tend to be really good fathers because that's hot. <laughs> so Interesting. speaking of strange animal sex, we get to do my favorite part. Oh God. <laughs> I think for a little bit, we're going to talk about, we're going to stray away from humans. We're going to find some weird ass examples of sex in nature that just sort of happen out there that are very different from us or potentially not so different from us, which makes it even weirder. Most of them are pretty different, I hope. 
All right, go ahead. First things first. This is mostly animals. We already talked about tree sex. That's bleh, trees, whatever. You know, as of hey, as, hey, hey, trees are hot. <laughs> tweets their own, I guess, Taylor. But sure. <laughs> um, hey, yo, girl, is that bark or? Uh, yep. No, I don't know. That could be something. I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> working on it. Or is that just a, another fruit that's less interesting? <laughs> I don't know. So. <laughs> We can go. I'm gonna go through this in a way that's like sort of reminiscent of the um, actual like phylogenetic tree. So we're gonna start with like animals, least similar to us. Go to All more right. similar to us. All right. Doggy. We're gonna start with snails. Snails. Snail sex is far sexier and more intimate than it should be. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you to decide? You know what? You're right. But like, think about it. Snails are normally like, ew, gross. They're like gross things that like French people eat. Like, come on. They're not having sex. But like, no, they probably get laid more than like most of us. That's why the French like them so much. Whoa. You figured it out. That's <laughs> it. Turns out French, the French shit. just like sexy animals. I mean, um, wow. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Snails. Snails are hermaphrodites, which means that they have both sets of reproductive organs. They are not, like, sexually dimorphic in terms of, like, men have this set and women have this set. Snails no have both sets. Right. So, snails have, land snails particularly, have some really cool, like, courtship behaviors that involve rubbing and touching and cuddling and kissing, literally mouth to mouth. Um, wow. And then oral sex. <laughs> Snails okay. apparently do mouth to uh, genital opening. so Which is hysterical. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you find it? That's like. <laughs> how do we know that they're just not missing? <laughs> it's a good point. It'd be like trying to tongue a jar of Vaseline. Like you can't. <laughs> that's moving and alive and kind of warm. <laughs> anyway. So, no, they actually, like, kiss, but that's not even the best part. Snails have these things called love darts. It's certain snails have these little chitinous darts. Chitin is, like, a type of uh, structural protein that, like, uh, is similar to keratin in our hair and nails. It's spelled like chitin with an I's, the vowels. <sighs> Zach, Thanks, Zach. Um, I never so they have these love darts. Like, is that chitin? It's like, no, it's chitin, you idiot. And these love darts are packed full of hormones. And what the snails do is they try to shoot each other with these little love darts. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but snails pretty much have shit for eyes. So, so aiming is not their strong suit. So what tends to happen, they're trying to shoot each other like in, like below the skin just to like release the hormones into the body. But what often ends up happening is that the love darts will end up embedded in internal organs. Oh, or no. potentially shoot all the way through the body of the snail and out the other side. <laughs> and just shoot Talk through the air. Full but anyway, the point of these Jesus love darts Christ. isn't sperm transfer. The point of these love darts is the transfer of hormones. And what these hormones do is make it more likely that the snail's sperm will survive in the body of that snail. Hmm. So, Assuming the snail doesn't die. Assuming the snail doesn't die from getting impaled in like the face by a love dart. <laughs> um, but So you have these snails with these little love darts. They shoot each other. And then what they do is they fertilize each other. Hmm. And uh, whichever one got the love dart in has a better chance of not of not being the pregnant one. <laughs> I, so there's something that I heard of one time that I just looked up. Uh, it's called penis fencing. Do you know? I about cover that, that in a lot do? of different animals. Oh, wonderful! Never mind. We'll not talk about it then. Okay. Now, good. Then. Good. 
I was I didn't see it on here immediately, so I was afraid it wasn't covered. All right, so that's snail sex. Literally, little Cupid shooting love darts All at right. each other. And it's funny because they have they have like a it's like a competition, and the loser gets pregnant. It's like ha, the worst kind like, of competition. <laughs> it's like they're like you know they're they're having a literal like as close to athletic competition as snails could have. <laughs> and and it's literally for like wait hold on why we already have snail racing why do we not have like snail track and field events yeah like, i mean they javelin toss or love love dart a little shot. love dart <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah and then, then and then the loser is like ha fuck you you have to carry a child around now <laughs> a lot of little baby snails which are adorable Yo, no humans way. would make it to the olympics if the cost was becoming pregnant every time you lost <laughs> the javelin toss is actually just covered in sperm and it just the target is like some poor person at the other end of the field. <laughs> oh, God! That would more than likely just fail miserably. <laughs> just kill the Talk about bull penetration. Uh, um, anyway, so I think that's enough about snails. Let's talk about one of my favorite groups of organisms on the face of the earth. Spiders. Spiders, spiders, spiders. Spiders are the best. Spiders are the best. They're so cool. Little eight-legged monsters of awesome. And um, lots of spiders have lots of different weird styles of sex. Probably one of the biggest um, things that spiders do weirdly is um, nuptial gifts. Spiders aren't the only organisms that do this. But nuptial gifts happen in a lot of spiders. What they do is they literally catch a little piece of food and go up to a female's web and they go, tap, tap, tap. And they go, here, I brought you a present. And then the female lets them mate with her. Spideries, though, right? In spideries, yes. Um, but the reason isn't so much just like, oh, that's nice, thanks. Yes, I'll let you impregnate me. It's more just like, I'm going to fucking eat you, but I can eat this for now. <laughs> <laughs> and then later I'll eat you. Because most insect sex is terrifying. <laughs> and spiders do. Spiders yeah, I was going to say. But most like arthropod sex is terrifying. Okay. So spiders also do some other crazy things. Basically, all of spider sex is geared because, okay, so most female spiders are bigger than male spiders in most species. So um, oftentimes the males are so small that they're treated as nothing more than a piece of debris, not even a worthy <laughs> meal for the females. So the, those spiders can just sneak up, crawl up, and then uh, they just... So spiders, instead of having, like, penises, what they do is they deposit a little sperm packet on their web, and then they suck it up with their pedipalps. That's how I know what species of spider is just by, what gender a spider is just by looking at it, what sex He does that a, a lot. He'll, like, it. walk up to spiders that are in our house. That's like, a boy. Oh, that one's a boy. He's so cute. <laughs> like, okay, dude. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but anyway, what they do is they take this little sperm packet, and they pull it up into their pedipalps, and then... They crawl onto the female, and then a little tube goes into the female's genital opening and deposits the sperm. And so little tiny spiders can easily do this because they won't get eaten by the female, so they just crawl onto her and go, here, boop. (laughs) There you go. Just like that. Yep, just like that. Little boop noises and everything. So all of spider sex is geared towards not being fucking eaten. Uh. So humans are not the only animals that do bondage. spiders (laughs) spiders <laughs> there are certain species of spiders that have been known to climb onto a female and wrap her up in web so she cannot eat them and that, then impregnate her that seems like a reasonable solution like I mean, you already have the web right like yeah. it's pretty straightforward <laughs> it's to just use it for yeah. that but like I don't know they don't probably don't have like safe words or whatever <laughs> like 
don't some spiders also or male spiders rip off their own legs to give to females as nuptials? Oh god, potentially happens so also um, <laughs> as a nuptial gift. That is absurd. Um, also, sometimes, and this actually happens in a lot of things, uh, when they impregnate a female, sometimes the part of them that was depositing the sperm just sort of breaks off and just stays in there, so <laughs> other males can't come along and impregnate. It. Oh, oh god, just like block it off. Um, yeah, they just sort of totally block it off. Worth um, it. Totally worth it. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I guess it is if that's a thing that happens. Not even the weirdest thing spiders do for oh, sex. Yeah. There are type of spiders, um, dwarf spiders in the family Linophidae. And these spiders, um, the male spiders, look like um, the hunchback of Notre Dame. They literally, their cephalothorax, which is their front body part, is just like enormous and humped. Humped. And so what they do is there's a certain secretion that they make in their heads. It's a cephalic secretion, which means head secretion. And it's this little juice that they produce from their head. And what happens is during sex, the female spiders will nibble on their heads mm. and drink the juice. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> Basically, it's, it's a mechanism to like, hey, don't eat me, please, while I'm doing this, but you can have some of this. Here, have a snack. You know what? Best of both worlds. Snack time and sexy time. Right? Yeah. If you're a female spider, you're golden. You are set. You get to do anything you want. You're like, eh, I don't want to mate with you, so I'm going to eat you. You look tasty. Nah, I want to mate with you, and then I'm going to eat you. Just, that's pretty nice. Good, good place to be. All right. Let's leave arthropods behind. Let's go into our vertebrate brethren, reptiles. So, a lot of reptiles and birds... Um, and fish and sharks and things. There's this thing called parthenogenesis. And what parthenogenesis is, is um, actually, you know what, Taylor, you know what parthenogenesis is. You want to give a little explanation? I can give you some airtime. Yeah, sure. Okay, so sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. So parthogen- parthenogenesis is a process whereby reproduction can occur without a mate. So, I mean, kind of take some of the fun out of it. <laughs> that's all right. So what happens is often half of a genetic code is doubled up, meaning that all the genes derive from the mother, but the offspring's genome is not identical. So like Dave said, um, it happens in inverts, but it also happens in some verts, like reptiles, birds, fish, and sharks, and has been induced in labs in mammals. It doesn't happen crazy. naturally in mammals, They've but there are laboratory tests that they did it with mice. They made what? parthenogenesis happen with mice. That's so so weird. parthenogenesis, and it's basically what Taylor said was with the half the genetic code is doubled up. So when you you know are dividing into like sex cells or whatever, you um, double your genetic code, then you are, have it, and then you have lots of little gametes that are half filled with your genetic code. Then you mate with somebody, and they their half complements your half, and that's why you get a mixed genome of both of your parents. With parthenogenesis, that doesn't always happen. Parthenogenesis allows some female species to just give birth to just lay eggs that have never seen sperm. <laughs> so this happens um, occasionally in like Komodo dragons and lots of other things. Like recently, a Komodo dragon uh, parthenogenetically yeah. laid eggs. It was like a big controversial yeah. deal because they didn't know that Komodo it's dragons it's could virgin do birth. They didn't know that Komodo dragons had the ability to. Yeah, naturally have parthenogenesis, and then all of a sudden they had like two or three females, and one of them laid <laughs> eggs, and they were really fucking confused because they had they hadn't seen those females hadn't interacted with a male in like multiple decades. Yep, and so <laughs> the first thought was, holy shit, are they storing sperm? And then they did some like genetic testings, and they were like, oh, that's weird. It's like a ZZ chromosome. Like, we think maybe just the female did it. Yeah, without a male at all, and they found that like. 
and, and so this is the opposite of I think what you're about to talk about. So uh, in Komodo dragons, parthenogenesis can only lead to males. Yes, because they tra- uh, if they so the Z chromosome if they have ZZ that makes a male and if they have WWW because they have a ZW chromosomal system um, that leads to like a degenerate death. So for example, uh. humans is XX and XY, right? In reptiles, it's switched around so it's ZZ is male or sorry. Yeah, male, yep. and ZW is female. Right. And so a female is going to either give a Z or a W, right? And if she produces WW offspring, parthenogenetically, they die. But she can produce ZZ offspring. Right. So that'll live and be male. And they'll live and be male. male. Makes a sense there to me. There are other species. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Evolutionarily, why would that even happen? That's just, <laughs> isn't that crazy? No, yeah, that's, that's the thing. It? So why would that happen? The Probably the main reason for that is, okay, so we talked about why sex is important, why evolutionarily you'd want to diversify your genome, why you'd want to have kids that are genetically different from you, just, you know, in case of disease or parasites or whatever, a nice mutation comes along that helps you, helps your offspring survive their environment. But with parthenogenesis, this is seen in Komodo dragons who hadn't seen males in decades. Right. So if your options are either mate with somebody or mate parthenogenetically, most things are going to choose mate with a partner. But if you don't have any options to increase your genetic variation, and you neat little will still want to give, yeah, you still you're want better. To make you're better babies. off propagating propagating your species in some form exactly. than not at all. Exactly. So if your only options are have a child with yourself or die, like let your species become extinct, you're better off doing that than like trying to find a mate and failing. Yes. So, um, interestingly, like we said, this doesn't happen in mammals except in laboratory conditions, and it doesn't happen in humans. It's freaking me Virgin out. Virgin births that don't happen, happen in, in humans. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, specifically, there's a species of reptile called the Mexico whiptail. It's a lizard species, and it lives in New Mexico, hence the title. Um, yeah, that's good to clarify because sometimes that's total bullshit. It's true. Sometimes it is. It's not always true. So, mostly yeah. for food. This is a species <laughs> that was created by hybridization of two similar species within that region. So hybridization sometimes happens when two similar species mate and then have another uh, have also have some offspring and those offspring are different species genetically different from their parents. Right. But this species is entirely female. If new members of this species are not created through hybridization, they are only created through parthenogenesis. This is an entire species that only has a single sex. Hmm. <laughs> the species of female they lay eggs that have never encountered sperm so what they how they do this is a little different from how most things do parthenogenesis instead of just taking half their chromosome and then doubling it later they double it at the start they double it before they even split into sex gametes and so they start off their their offspring start off with double the amount of uh chromosomes that a normal offspring would have and so they're able to grow up as fully functional female adults this is bizarre. So this is not the same as the ZW scheme that's going on before because that can only make only males so, through parthenogenesis, right? I think – so what this is is – yeah, it's a little different. Hold on. Let me find the um, – so these whiptail lizards, they have the ZW system. Okay. But they just do it different. This isn't the same way of parthenogenesis. They just double their entire chromosome count before mating or before non-mating or whatever. <laughs> For baby babying. All right. Crazy. Ducks. Cool. Ducks. For any of you who have ever heard anything about duck sex, 
You've probably heard that ducks are fucking insane when it comes to sex. <laughs> insane fucking, if you will? Yes, an insane <laughs> fucking. <laughs> really some, glad some we have say. her to catch all of the jokes that you would otherwise make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because when I'm talking, who's going to make the jokes? You guys, are, you guys aren't on it. You're, on, you're off your game. Come on. Uh, you're right. So ducks have huge penises. Oh, come on. That was terrible. I refuse to giggle. Ducks have huge penises. Right. Okay, ducks. Ducks are cool. Ducks have huge penises. Ducks have huge <laughs> penises. They're different from the way our penises are set up. So our penises, when they become erect, they're stiff because it's blood filling sinuses in the that tissue area. Ducks are a little different. They're filled with lymph instead of blood and are flexible when erect. Mm, holy shit. It's like as l- like more than as long as the duck. I just looked up a picture. I don't necessarily recommend doing that, but oh, also maybe. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's completely insane. That duck is... penises are kept inside out until mating. Inside <laughs> what? out. They just, okay. And when mating happens, they explosively evert, which means they turn out outside in or whatever. And Outside out. Outside out, yeah. And they're basically turned into ballistics during copulation. Oh, oh God. They explode into the female. <laughs> so this, these ducks, for some reason, have this crazy evolutionary arms race between the male and females. And so, it's so in order absurd. to have more and more sex, these ducks evolve these crazy penises. These penises that are harder and harder to get out of the vagina and can dis- deposit sperm farther and farther into the female duck. So... Duck penises often have, are often corkscrewed, just spiraled. They often have ridges that help hold on. They often have backwards pointing spines ah! or spiky heads to Holy just latch shit. on in there and just deposit sperm very far. Now, why? So, why is that necessary? To deposit sperm farther into the vagina. If you have yeah, sex, like, because like, a lot of males we don't have require sex. that. Yeah, I know, because we're weird. We're but more like, monogamous. Fair, but like, it's not like all animals need to like literally attach themselves to the females. In yeah, order no, to... I, it's a weird thing. The ducks just sort of happen. Are the females just, just like don't want to have sex at all? No. Oh. It sometimes happens. Okay, so I'll, I'll talk about yeah. this. Females, female ducks, because of this crazy arms race, it's not that du- male duck penises are the only things that have changed. Duck vaginas are equally fucking insane. <laughs> duck vaginas are often twisted... <laughs> The opposite direction. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, male ducks. They have dead ends. (laughs) Literal dead end pockets that lead to nowhere. It's a fucking maze. It's It's a a literal maze. maze. It's a labyrinth. Holy shit. Uh, uh, That's amazing. So. (laughs) I didn't do that on purpose. Yes, I did. (laughs) So, these duck vaginas are... You know, they're crazy, equally twisted and complicated because of these, you know. So people think like, oh, so ducks are like rapists then because it's the females so badly don't want to have sex that they developed a biological chastity belt. (laughs) But in fact, the females are winning this evolutionary arms race. Only 3% of offspring come from forced matings. That's pretty good. So females are winning. These dead ends and oppositely twisted things make it so that a duck that they don't want to mate with them can't mate with them most of the time. If a female duck wants to mate, she'll position herself in such a way and lift her little tail feathers. And then... So to be fair, they are being rapey. Yes. Okay. But it doesn't work a lot. Okay. <laughs> At least it doesn't like produce offspring most right. of the time. 
Interesting. Ducks. You'll never look at a little cute duckling the same way again. (laughs) Also funny, um, ducks have huge penises, but uh, the bald eagle, which is the symbol of America, the country with the largest dick, um, (laughs) eagles don't have penises. (laughs) Like most birds, they have cloaca, which are just little openings. And um, Taylor, want to explain a cloacal kiss? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, there's even a song written about koi. No kisses. way. No, I swear to God. What? It's written about <laughs> gulls because gulls have gulls, a lot of, course. of sex. They yeah. do have a lot of sex. They have sex on rooftops, sex on beaches. Sex on guys named Dave. Is that what they're doing all the time? Yeah. When yeah, you never see, like, squawking. <laughs> yeah, so um, <laughs> what happens? Okay, I'll give a gull example because I love gulls. But um, when they're having sex, the male will mount on top of the female and kind of wiggle himself until he can get positioned so that their cloacas are touching. And in a brief moment when they're quote-unquote kissing, <laughs> then he can deposit, deposit his sperm in the female. So, so it's like a little on over her. Oh, okay. make out, yeah. <laughs> it Usually followed by lots of vocalizations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As most sexes. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, yeah, great success. Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I did it. <laughs> All right. Let's go into our mammalian brothers and sisters. Oh, um yeah. Let's see, let's go into let's ha ha hyenas. <laughs> oh god. Hyenas. Oh my god. <laughs> Just when you thought it couldn't get any fucking weirder. Hyenas. Female hyenas. Okay, well let's let's explain a little bit about hyena behavior in general. Yeah, sure. Hyenas are super aggressive. Hyper aggressive. They like produce babies with lots and lots of androgens like testosterone and lots of things that make the male hyenas like really strong and tough and brutal and violent and vicious and aggressive and awesome for that species um so in order to do that in order to produce more aggressive offspring female hyenas will produce a lot of androgens male hormones during pregnancy unfortunately this also affects the mother (laughs) So, do you remember how we talked about how um, the clitoris and the penis are derived from the <laughs> same tissue layer? Yep. Uh-huh. So, when like female hyenas produce these androgens to make their uh, young boys very aggressive, what happens is that it damages their ovaries and makes it hard to, give, makes it hard to produce eggs. Okay. But also, it causes their clitoris to grow in size. Like a little bit or... Up to seven inches. <laughs> up to seven inches? <laughs> seven inch long penis shaped clitoris. <laughs> now, Whoa. that's not the worst part. In hyenas, the birthing canal is in the clitoris. So they are delivering two pound pups mm. <laughs> through essentially a penis. The facial expressions right now are great. So like a kidney stone type deal, but like worse. But yeah, like, but like a full grown of like kicking hyena baby. <laughs> These are the birth canal is one inch in diameter, can be up to seven inches long, and the pups are two pounds. They are voluminous shit. pups, and they just come out and actually. How dense are they? Can we approximate them as a sphere? <laughs> Probably. The problem is they're born through basically a penis. So there's a very high death rate for first-time hyena mothers because the babies tear through the clitoris and they bleed to death. Oh, God, that's horrible. Males need a lot of practice because (laughs) having sex with another penis is very difficult if you have a penis. (laughs) So, like docking. Um, Don't look that up. Don't look that up. Um, so basically, they have to practice a lot. So young male hyenas will start trying to mount females at about a few months old. 
And so Literally. it leads to that's the aggression all right. from the all the testosterone and androgens that they have. Yeah. So <laughs> hyena clitoris penises. Practice makes progress. <laughs> Clitter penis. Clitter penis. Peen literis. Clitoris. Clitoris. No. Pliny the Elder. What about bonobos? Planitoris. Bonobos. Bonobos. No, dolphins first. Oh, true. I want to go to the least like us. I want to go from least like us to most like us. Okay. Let's go to dolphins. Dolphins are actually the tamest ones on this list. Everyone thinks dolphins are rapey sons of bitches, but meh. They're no more horny than your dog. Okay. It's just rarer when you get humped by a dolphin. Right. So, like, you know, when you get humped by, like, Rex at home, you're like, all right, get down. Do I have to get the spray bottle? When you get humped by a dolphin, it's like, oh, my God, this is a thing the size of me, and I'm in the water, and it's humping me. Like, it's... <laughs> a few so orders it's weird. of magnitude more terrifying. A few orders of magnitude more terrifying, but not any weirder than your dog humping you. Dolphins are very straightforward mammals. They're... They like to have sex. They do have... Prehensile penises. Yes. Which is pretty fucking cool. It's pretty fucking cool. Uh, Prehensile <laughs> means they can like control it the way you can control your finger. Just think about it. You're in the water. It's a lot harder to position yourself onto a thing when you're swimming around. You ever had to try to have sex in a pool? No. I'm missing out, man. No one? Really? Somebody? I, Come on. Somebody said sex in a pool. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> there we go. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's like difficult. <laughs> it's like you're like trying to figure it out. It's like, okay, right, you're I'll in the put, water. It's on my list. <laughs> so. If you have these parental penises, you can just sort of maneuver it around and like <laughs> it just sort of gets up in there and then you're dolphin sex in it. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, dolphins actually don't seem to be any more rapey than like any other mammal really. Yeah. So far, ducks are the rapiest. Yeah. Okay. That seems reasonable. Let's go to our closest relatives. This is the best. Bonobos. I love it. So if you don't know what a bonobo is, bonobo uh, species Pan Paniscus, they're very close relatives to chimpanzees, Pan Troglodytes. And so everyone's heard that, like, you know, chimpanzees are our closest relatives. Actually, bonobos are equally closely related to us. Bonobos and chimps are sister species. Bonobos look very much like chimps, and they're very similar, except in their behavior. Okay. So different. So. <laughs> it's awesome. Bonobos are probably the most sexual species on Earth. <laughs> Bisexuality is so common, it's... It's day to day weirder normal. to be heterosexual. Uh, Male-male <laughs> or female-female pairings happen often just as much as male-female pairings in bonobos. Interesting. So, yeah, bisexuality is not some sort of weird freak <laughs> of nature that humans came up with. It's pretty well documented in animals. Yeah. So, so bonobos have lots of sex. So, chimpanzees, if they have a problem... They'll fight each other. They'll bite. They'll rip their limbs. They'll shred skin. They will be vicious and brutal and violent. That's what chimpanzees do. They solve their problems through violence. Bonobos are the exact opposite. They solve their problems through sex. <laughs> All that of seems, the problems. Chimpanzees, it was Maybe. described by a, a chimp researcher that chimpanzees solve sex issues through power, whereas bonobos solve power issues through sex. <laughs> bonobos will... Uh, do all sorts of weird sex things like uh, mutual masturbation happens. Oh, masturbation. We didn't say that one yet. Um, oh, true. Mutual masturbation happens. Uh, genital rubbing where uh, female bonobos will uh, mush their vulvas together. Mush. So scissoring. So scissoring. Okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh. Males do penis fencing. <laughs> um, oh, there it is. Which 
is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. Imagine two guys fencing, except with their penises instead of an epe. <laughs> <laughs> an epe. <laughs> yeah. What are the other two? Um, so they also do uh, a okay. missionary position. Which is like only a thing because also that the only species we're aware of that do that are bonobos and us. Yeah. Huh. So, <laughs> yeah, most animals do things like doggy style, quote unquote, but bonobos will have sex have being face to face. Uh, so what happens is a lot of these, a lot of this like sex stuff um, isn't usually followed by orgasm. It's not usually like specifically a sexual activity. It's a show of goodwill. It's a show of excitement. It's a greeting. It's used in food sharing. It's used to reduce stress. It's just, it happens every day all the time between Welcome adults slap, and adults, slap, between slap. adults and juveniles, between juveniles and juveniles, between males and males, between males and females, between females and females. Just every single bonobo is having sex with every other bonobo. Simultaneously. Sometimes. It's, it's kind of like a great big orgy. Sounds awesome. Great big monkey orgy. <laughs> Ape orgy? Ape orgy. Okay. <gasps> monkey orgy is my new band name, though. Okay. Good. What's interesting <laughs> is that chimps, Chimp. with their violent solutions to conflict resolution, they have a patriarchal society where men are in charge. The male chimpanzees are in charge. The bonobos that solve things through sex and goodwill are matriarchal, which means <laughs> that the females lead... Oh, lady. May or may <laughs> not be related. Probably related. Probably related. <laughs> Score one for feminism. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I think we've also, worked our way. Also, one last thing for animals. Oh, go ahead. Homosexual behavior has been seen in literally hundreds of species. Literally hundreds. So many fucking species have gay sex. It's totally fine. Totally normal. Not weird at all. Fuck anyone who says otherwise. All right. I'll get Wait, off my soapbox. Well. <laughs> Penis fencing in another light. This is fun. So, uh, certain species of flatworm. Oh yes, this also, is hilarious. Also hermaphrodites. Uh, both individual. Each individual has both egg-producing ovaries and also sperm-producing testes. Right. right. And so they use two-headed dagger-like penises, which are pointed and white in color. And it's a violent battle during which they <laughs> attempt to pierce the skin of one another with one of their penises. Um, and one organism will win and inseminate the other one, and this flatworm that inseminated the other one becomes yeah. the father. The one that was inseminated becomes the mother. And uh, it's like the so love dart thing. Yeah, yeah. Except like, even like this more battle may last like up to an hour. Holy shit! Just like penis <laughs> fencing. I mean, I've never really had a penis fencing experience that lasted less than like forty-five minutes, so that's not that unusual. They've been airing all the wrong things on all the Planet Earth shows. Yeah, really. I need to see more of this. <laughs> yeah. I think I did see this on one of those things, so some Wonderful. credit to them. <laughs> um, Let's go into people. Yeah, so this was like, this is like what we've been working up to the whole time is like animals are great and weird and shit. But also, shit. yeah, now that we've covered all this weird animal crap, yeah. talking about like this a is going to be super penis, like, regular. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Really? We only have one headed penises? Yeah. <laughs> like, you guys don't have fork penises? No. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. Uh, not usually. Um, oh, yeah. Wait, don't kangaroos have, like, the males have, like, forked, like, double-headed penises, and, and the females, females have, have triple vaginas. vaginas. Triple vaginas. Triple oh, yeah. Vaginas. No, you're right. I think they're, that's they're true. They're doubly forked. Yeah. Um, okay, anyway. Rabbits, people. too, have forked penises. That's super Check weird. Check out your rabbit. Knife. Wait, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we do not advocate bestiality on this show. <laughs> so, anyway, back to people. Um, so, we'll talk about, like, so different kinds of sex. 
the people have because we and we talked about this a little bit with some of the animals do some like weird things other than just like straight up penis and vagina sex. Um, so the three most like popular slash common, um, you know, obvious kinds of sex are vaginal sex, oral sex, and anal sex. Um, those Everyone all sort of make are. sense. I think. I think. This, um, I think our audience right yeah. now is like aware. We don't need to like. I hope so. Well, I'm going to go into it anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So. Um, you know, the question obviously here is like, so like, why why are like those (laughs) the three, oh God, why are like those the three things? Well, clearly we don't have any other holes. Right. So what about oral sex? A-U-R-A. Yeah. Your ears are not big enough I know, but that was in Family Guy. I know it was in Family Guy. Anyway. So, um, so like the first thing is like, you'll notice that with all of these, almost all of them involve sticking a penis in something. So the thing with human penises is that like they have... About 4,000, on the magnitude of 4,000 nerve endings in them. And they're just like long shafts that pretty much any rubbing or pressure or stimulation feels really good. So putting them in pretty much anything is going to just feel really good. Watermelons. (laughs) Pies. (laughs) Socks. Um, So... (laughs) um, Really? So, okay, I'm, just, no, I, I'm intrigued. Yes, I, that's a thing. Um, anyway, sock. yeah. Well, wool socks so, are a little itchy. I found. <laughs> so that's like that's like where from the one side that's where things are going. Now we're talking about like okay, now the things that you're putting them in. Why are we putting them in those things? <laughs> First thing, really straightforward. Vaginal, right? So like we talked about how women have um, clitorises, right? Which is like again comes from the same tissue. Oh, we should probably explain where those are for those people who have never yeah, found Yeah, I'm going to get into okay, that. Okay, good, good. Yeah. So, um, have, start from the same tissue as like the male penis says. Uh, clitoris actually tends to have around twice as many nerve endings as the penis does, except the surface area is like at best one one hundredth of the surface area of a penis. Oh my. Yeah. Ah. So now, oh, yes. not, all of the, <laughs> not all of those nerve endings are exposed. Um, we talked about how like clitorises have like clitoral shafts, clitoral which like hoods, that's yeah. so the shaft is actually like mostly inside, only like the tip is poking out. Only about a quarter of the clitoris just the tip. is exposed. Um, yeah, <laughs> just the tip. Um, Martha. So yeah, and note that like so the clitoris is is generally just above the vaginal opening, um, like at the peak of the. Uh, labia majora. Yeah, labia majora. Um, it's that little like button-looking thing. Yeah, it's not really that hard to find. Yeah, I, I don't, always thought I don't that was the weirdest how, thing. I don't get why that's a thing. It was it's like, like kind it's of like, it's literally how do we right find the clitoris? Like literally, just look. It's right it's there. Right there. It's like not that hard. <laughs> now, some of them are very small, and some of them are very large. And I actually learned a really weird fact doing some research. Um, so, at the start of puberty, women's clitorises start to grow. They actually get bigger. And they continue to grow until menopause ends. Uh, and over that course of time, they will grow up to seven times their original size. Which now, is they were hysterical. pretty small to start with. They're really but small still. to start with. So, like, that seven times. And also, a lot of the growth happens internally. Like I said, only a quarter of it is like an iceberg. Yeah. So, right. That's the iceberg. <laughs> um, but this the actually. that sunk the Titanic. This actually is, like, a potential reason for why older women tend to report better sex. Because their clits are their bigger. Because their clits just literally larger and easier to huh. stimulate. Um, which is hilarious. Um only about 30% of women are able grandma, to reach don't picture orga- your grandma don't picture your Stop grandma Stop doing that I was fine <laughs> okay so, uh, only about 30% of women are able to reach orgasm without 
clitoral stimulation, so just through vaginal stimulation. Um, and the way that you would, in theory, reach orgasm through vaginal stimulation is mostly due to what's considered the G-spot. Technically, hey. there's like very little scientific research done on whether that exists or <laughs> is like a universal thing, which is kind of preposterous. Kind it of seems like something thing. we it's should like, just yeah. like have a yes or no answer to, and we don't. Generally, it seems like most people and like sort of an intuitional level are like, yeah, it exists. We've done very little actual biological studies on it. Um, so anyway, so but that means about 70% of women require clitoral stimulation in order to have an orgasm. Female orgasm is a thing. If you're a female and having sex and not hitting orgasm, there's nothing wrong with you. It's but a lot, also, it's actually just a lot it's harder. Just really, yeah. This, it's but also like, don't give up because it is a thing. <laughs> and from like from what I've been told, and I'm sure Taylor can clarify, it's pretty great. So like, it's pretty darn don't great. don't don't give up hope. Um, it's something that like can be reached, you know. Um, well, I think that's a great transition yeah. into oral sex. Sure, right. <laughs> so, yeah. So so then, now, on the one side, oral sex in the form of giving a, somebody giving a male a blowjob, right? Oral sex is usually pretty uh, much... fellatio, Shane. I hate you. Um, oral, <laughs> oral sex is, is usually um, only... Uh, pleasurable for the person receiving in, ter- in like pure physical sexual sense i mean think about it that makes sense when you put well, like yeah. a hamburger in your mouth it's like <laughs> you're enjoying this because it tastes good you're not enjoying it because it's like rubbing against your tongue <laughs> <laughs> although 69 know, is now, a thing now feels super important to some people in eating food yeah but not to the point of like orgasm <laughs> <laughs> I, there's gotta be one no, guy don't out even there <laughs> there definitely is there probably is um, somebody who anyway so um yeah so so oral sex is like Generally, it's like a you are giving and somebody else is receiving. Um, the reason it works so well and is done so frequently, though, is that like your mouth is self-lubricating even better than pretty much any other orifice on your body is. Mm-hmm. Um, and also tongues. We talked about like prehensileness. Yeah. Tongues. tongues are about as prehensile as it gets. Yeah. You have a like lot of control. Up over there in terms of, of your up there with your fingers in terms of like. Muscle control, yeah, fine muscle, right? Motor and actually, actually above it, your fingers, it's it. <laughs> I'm gonna throw you out the window. <laughs> okay, but like as stupid as that was, actually, with, with regards to fine motor control, your tongue is better in some aspects. So we were there talking about uh, females receiving oral sex. Your tongue, guys and girls who happen to be into other girls, um, your tongue's gonna probably work better. A, it self lubricates. Yep. Where your fingers actually do the opposite and yep. absorb the lubrication, which is not ideal. Yep. Um, your tongue is lubricating itself, and you have more control over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are going to have, do a better job of like feeling with your tongue, because it's more sensitive. Also, your tongue doesn't have any nails, so... Yeah, that's helpful. I <laughs> uh, just wanted to say that my mom just texted me and said, okay, mom is signing off now. <laughs> She's Success! She wanted to be on the show this weekend. Yeah, oh, yeah, she was going to be last weekend. She made it through snail sex. Come on, you can handle... Come on, Jesus, mom. Um, anyway, so... Uh, yeah, so that was oral sex. Did I miss anything with oral sex? We're I think move on to the last that's, one. Okay. that's basically that's, that's the thing. Yeah, so then the last section here is anal sex. Um, this is definitely the most taboo of the three that we're talking yes, about. Yes, this is the one that, like, you know, is the one that, like, oh, God, anal sex. Yeah. Um, so, firstly, fairly standard has been going on for, like, ever. Um, this is, like, a thing that, like, ancient societies were, like, hey, it's a hole. I could put something in there. Um, yep, so, seems reasonable. Yeah. Um, so, 
on women receiving anal sex, mostly if it feels good, which like it does for a lot of women who enjoy anal sex, it's because it's actually hitting your G-spot from behind, um, which for some women isn't helpful at all because note that like this happens in three space in three dimensional space so like yeah. <laughs> your g spot could be closer to one side or the other yeah. if it's closer to the vaginal wall then it's anal sex is probably not going to really not do anything be as fun at all. As vaginal if sex. it happens to be closer to the other side then it's going to feel great and for some people it feels better than vaginal sex so that's probably not the majority by any means um mm-hmm. it is a thing though um obviously there's like issues with your actual like your anus is usually really tight <laughs> And opening your rectum can be a problem. Don't shove anything up there real fast if you've never done anything like this <laughs> yeah, before. Definitely don't we do visited that. Zach and I visited a sex shop a couple weeks ago, um, <laughs> and they had like research. Uh, yeah, no, no literally, they had a twenty-inch rubber fist. <laughs> Holy shit! I just want to say that it takes some like training. There is no beginner's luck when it comes to butt sex. <laughs> wait, wait, twenty-inch long. What diameter though? Uh, like fist-sized fist diameters. Oh, it, was like, was a, it was like a meaty was like fist. It was like, like a Dave was fist like or like a Zach fist? No, like a Zach fist. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. it's uh, you got to work up to that. <laughs> I, I don't even know if that's a thing that can be worked yeah, up to. Yeah, holy shit. Anyway. I mean, we didn't do enough research on that. Yeah. Anyway, and so obviously, so men would enjoy this from, you know, on get the sort of giving end because, like I said, anything that's applying pressure to a dick is great. <laughs> And so we're pretty easy. Buttholes, in that way. And again, buttholes are really tight. And so this feels great. Now, there's also the man receiving component of this where a man could be receiving anal sex, which actually in a lot of ways is significantly more pleasurable or more likely to be pleasurable than a woman receiving because a man's like analogous G spot mm-hmm. is in your butt or at yep. least really close to it. Yep. Your prostate gland is part of what secretes a lot of the fluids that go into semen. And it's also part of what makes you feel fucking awesome when you orgasm. And so you can just manually stimulate it through your butthole. And that's all you need. <laughs> and then and you just... And, and, men, and men can and do achieve orgasm just through anal stimulation of the prostate gland. Um, and... Which is, I don't know, I just think this is hilarious that it's like men... For all the shit that people give like men wanting to have anal sex, like... Literally, you're set up for that to be the Men most pleasurable like experience of your yeah. life. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's lots of ways to go about that. But anyway, um, so those are like, that's all the great things about like those kinds of sex. And like, they can be wonderful. Um, really quickly, we should probably talk about, since we're advocating for like how awesome sex can be, the potential pitfalls. Safe. We can, we can, we can yeah. be a little bit of Planned Parenthood kind of stuff here. <laughs> go ahead. Um, so, so Taylor actually wrote a lot of this i don't know if you want to start off with some of like the safe sex tips oh yeah yeah so like going into types of contraceptives sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah exactly so like just to note before we do this like the only way to guarantee that you will not a get an std or b get pregnant is to never have sex again that unless is, you're a komodo dragon unless you're a komodo <laughs> dragon <laughs> or like, several other that is species. that is the only way to guarantee 100 percent However, we as pretty intelligent beings have come up with some other ways. To Mildly intelligent this. beings. Some other ways to go about this really, um, pretty, that, that work we're like really fucking, fucking well. So yeah. we'll talk about the things that, that you can do. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to start off, Taylor. Yeah. I mean, hopefully you guys have heard of a lot of these or use a lot of these. I really hope. <laughs> In case you're 
you know, not planning on having kids. But the first one that I would especially advocate for would be um, the IUD. So it's an intrauterine device. And so it's the most effective form of birth control other than getting your tubes tied. And, Which um, is potentially, like, dangerous, right? Isn't, like, getting your tubes tied, like, potentially, like, bad things happen? Also, I have a cousin who got her tubes tied and still got pregnant because... Well, yeah. So the problem with fucking with your body and stuff like that is that, like we said, like your body exists to walk your genitals around. <laughs> and so the first thing that's going to happen is your body's going to do everything it can to make your genitals function correctly, which is why vasectomies can occasionally reverse themselves. And also, like, you know, uh, what's the actual name of the surgery where you get Tubal your ovarian tubes? What? Tubal ligation. Tubal ligation. Tubal ligation. Can also occasionally reverse itself. Oh. It is not like a really common thing by any standard, but like it is something that can reverse itself. But anyway. Yeah, it can reverse, reverse itself definitely, but for the most <laughs> part, it's pretty irreversible. Yeah. So that's like a very long term, like I don't want to have any more kids. Yeah. Let's get this thing tied up. But, <laughs> um, but I mean, IUDs are great because it's just this little device that you put in. You can have a hormone version, um, which releases a little bit of hormone every single day. Or you can also have a non-hormone version that's just copper. Right. Sounds kind of crazy, but it works. And so what they do is they put it, um, it's like a minor surgical procedure. Uh, basically put it up in your uterus and it's shaped like a T so it hangs out there for up to five years and um, what it does to prevent pregnancy is it thickens your cervical mucus so that sperm can't really travel up there to uh, impregnate the lady and then um, it also thins the lining of your uterus so if you did happen to have your egg fertilized then it couldn't really implant because there's nothing really there it's kind yeah. of barren something so to note is that like we're going to talk about like a bunch of different ones, kinds of, um, you know, like contraception here. And like some of the ones that are like drug based or like this IUD, like that kind of stuff, hormone based or copper or whatever, they sound really like they were just kind of like, well, it like does some stuff that tricks your body and doesn't work well anymore. They work usually much, well. much better than any other kind of contraception that we have. It seems really like vague and like well it makes this a little bit thicker and this a little bit thinner and then babies can't happen yeah, but totally. actually like people have done so much research making sure that this shit works and like this is actually the stuff that needs to happen for you to not be able to have a child so quick question the thickening of the cervical mucus is that just by virtue of having a foreign object inserted in, like your body's just like oh bleh, this is weird like when you like have something in your eye your eyes start to water that is a great question, and I actually was curious about that. So I Googled it a little more, and I am not completely sure. They're a little <laughs> hand-wavy on their answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, that's valid. I guess it has something to do with the hormones, too. Or oh, the yeah, copper that's true. reacting with your Right, body. yeah, so the copper, I, like, I remember, like, I've done research on this as well, and, like, like, like the fact that, like, just literally sticking something that is only copper up there does the same thing. Part of it is also that I think copper has, like, detrimental effects on sperm cells. Like, it, like, kills them. It's, like, toxic to them. Huh. It's fine to people but it like kills sperm cells. Um, and so like that combined with like it just being inside you, I think actually might be the like thickened mucus, mucus just from having something in there potentially. Cool. cool. <clears throat> As a side note too, isn't it cool how many different types of contraceptive yeah, you know, yeah. we we've yeah. just thought of like every possible way to not have a baby, <laughs> and, like, and we're working yeah. on more. Yeah, yeah we're right. still working on it. Oh, I'm so excited for the male injection. Yeah. Oh my god, oh, oh, it's gonna be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> There's like, so I don't think this is on here because it doesn't exist yet, so it sh shouldn't be on there because it's not a thing that you can do currently. But <laughs> there's been a ton of trials in India, and they actually just got just got to I think monkey trials in the United Ooh. States, which is really huge awesome. with this injection. 
that literally it's the coolest shit they inject this gel into your vas deferens this is for men your vas deferens carries semen or carries sperm to semen um they inject this stuff in there and the gel just sits in there and for up to 10 years it's like a like two minute procedure it's technically surgical but they literally just stick a needle in you and then you're done um and it tears sperm apart like as they get added to the semen they just get shredded sperm shredded yeah <laughs> and and so it's like it's been shown to be extremely effective it's like a one time procedure and then you're all and set it lasts as a for guy. 10 years it lasts for 10 years and reversible in the same amount of time that it takes to inject it because they have this like they just have this solvent that they inject in there and it makes it go away and you just pee it out and that's it you're done it's like magic anyway for a new tv show <laughs> oh no <laughs> one thing it's... i should oh sorry Teenage mutant ninja sperm cells. And then, and then it's like Oh no, shirt. I know where oh, you're going. God, with stop. Oh, no, I knew you were going to be the sweater. Damn it. All right, Taylor. <laughs> Jesus Christ. One thing that I think is super important to mention, though, with the advocation of IUDs and these other forms of contraception, um, a lot of them that aren't, or actually all of them that aren't barrier methods, don't protect against STDs or STDs. Exactly. Important so point. Yeah. Remember that. Yes. Listeners. <laughs> and also, even the barrier methods do not, not protect against all yeah. STDs and STIs. Yeah. Um, and you'll see the barrier methods, unfortunately, are the least effective and so have the highest chance of propagating those things. That's why you got to double up. So, yeah. No, yeah. don't. Not with condoms. No, not with two condoms. Not what I meant. Oh my Double God. up on contraception. I thought you meant, thought you meant like just wear two condoms. No, like, don't, no, no. Do, specifically, <laughs> don't do that. That's a terrible idea. Yeah. Okay. All right. Taylor, you want to move on to the pill? Yeah. Okay. So um, the pill is just purely a hormone-based one, so you don't have that non-hormone alternative unless you're taking a placebo, but then that doesn't do anything. So don't do that. <laughs> so basically the pill, it works. You take one pill a day. It gives you a daily dose of, dose of hormones. It's either estrogen or progestin. And what it does is it fools the female body into not having your monthly spike of hormones, follicle-stimulating hormone or luteinizing hormone, which results in us not ovulating. So if we don't ovulate, we don't release an egg that travels down and sits and waits for some sperm, then uh, no pregnancy can happen. So yeah, that's how the pill works. And again, yeah. since that's just a hormone-based method, it's kind of tricking your body uh no protection against stds or STIs. right so double up yeah something else to note is that yeah right not with um not with condoms. um so uh or with pills don't take two um anyway so um <laughs> although although there Just are there are certain never mind there's certain pills that you can take in conjunction with each other that have shown to have doubled effect like estrogen and progestin pills at the same time but like this is not something you should just try on your own if your doctor suggested to you then go ahead otherwise no um so the one thing i was going to say with the pill is that for like women who have like really heavy periods the pill some pills have been shown to have like pretty dramatic effects on like reducing heaviness of periods so also, even if you're like not having yeah, sex it can have positive exactly. effects on you also there's two things I'm going to say. Also, there's pills that like have cause you to have your period like once every three months or once every six months or once every year, year is actually one of them that I saw. Once every year? Yeah. That's um, amazing. Well, yeah. Fun fact yeah. is you can, with when you're on the pill, you can control when you have a period. Right. So, yeah, I think you're going to get into that, Shane. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, like, you could technically never have a period taking birth control pills. The period is there so that 
like pe- originally the period was left in so that women didn't freak out when they stopped having their period because this was like a brand new thing. They didn't know it was going to happen. They didn't know how people were going to react and they like left it in so you would still have your regular pill also so that you could still be- have like a sort of a guarantee that like, okay, I'm not pregnant because I'm still having yeah. my period. Um, but yeah, you could just like, if you, if you were to continue, so there's like placebo pills that you take at the end of the month that are just sugar pills and they're just there so you can like regularly take the pills and not skip two days that don't do anything and so you get right back into the cycle have your period and then immediately start taking your pills again so all that happens is the period part and no egg is ever involved. that's what those placebo things are for. okay yeah, that's see neat. this right. is the thing i don't know that yes. health class didn't teach you exactly well. and so then so when you have the three-month one all that it is is that they take those like two placebo ones and they stick them all the way at the end of three months instead of at the end of one month and so the and year one is they take it the at the end thing. of 12 months and gotcha or you could just not take never it ever have, again. <laughs> yeah. And you just never have a period. Um, I don't no, think most know. people do that. So but. so does it sort of know, does it like <laughs> know to happen as soon as you stop taking like the birth control, but like the specific hormonal pills? Is that why, or does it just sort of like, what so, do you mean by does it know to happen? I don't know. So you're saying is. that like they stick it at the end of the monthly cycle. So uh-huh. does it always happen? Like, like how do you, so let me see if I can phrase this question right. So like, it's, so you're, I think you're saying if like you know you have your periods in the middle of the month all yes. the time, but then you take this, you stop taking these pills at the end of a month. Yeah. And then you have your period at the end of the month now. Oh yeah. So um, I'm not sure. So it's weird when you fuck. So it's a very cyclical thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you fuck with the cycle, your body doesn't always respond in like predictable ways, um, which is also why like when women start taking the pill, they can like not have their period for a few cycles because their body is like fucked up and like tries to stick it in the middle, and then like there's. It's like, oh, wait, no, I'm ovulating, but you're not ovulating. You're still on the pill, so you think you're ovulating. And then, like, everything gets fucked up. And then the period time comes around. And it's like, well, I thought I had that two weeks ago. And then nothing happens. And then, like, after a few cycles, it, like, regulates correctly. Um, so if you were to just, like, one time, like, take the two placebos in the middle, you, I, Taylor, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't just, like, have your period. Yeah, okay. you wouldn't. Yeah, that's your body would be expecting gotcha. it at the end of the month because that's the cycle that it's expecting. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think so. The way that this works is that like you have this, you have like a, um, an like a hormone spike that signifies you're supposed to release an egg. And so if you just always have this like base level of hormones, you you never have the spike that's like, hey, I should like release these the egg. Is that roughly correct? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're fooling your body into thinking right. that you're pregnant, so you never need to. Right. Exactly. Oh, weird. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's also why some women report kind of interesting side effects. Right. Being on the pill. which is the, that was the second thing I was going to say. It's yeah. like something to note is that like, you know, if you're considering this and you're not sexually active, like it does have potentially good side effects, but also just be sort of aware of like any changes that could occur. Some women actually experience like almost pu- pubescent changes, like doubled when they like start taking birth control usually not to the full extent that puberty has but like they get wider hips and they get larger breasts and they start experiencing that's like Hmm. a lot of times is something that was experienced like not so much with newer pills um because obviously they're trying to avoid that but like that is something that happens um and so and people have like you know women have mood swings like that kind of thing is something that does occur um like more so when you're taking the pill but also like a lot of the newer ones have sort of mitigated a lot of those also note that like you don't have to keep taking the same birth control pill for your entire life. You have one negative effects with some of them. You should maybe switch to another one and try that. And see yeah, it's not better. like there isn't like one pill. It's not like no, not the birth control yeah. pill. There's it's lots like... of different kinds of birth control. Yeah, um, yeah in, ter- in terms of the pill. Um, All right, what's another one? Yeah. I love your pill talk, though. I have to say, it was very <laughs> comprehensive and wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> you did a lot of research. 
Um, Good job, team. Health yeah. teacher Shane. So do you want to talk about the patch? We didn't take any notes on it. I don't know if you know more about it. The only um, thing I know, took down was like, so yeah, well, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I can just say a short sentence about yeah, it. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I guess it's it can be a patch, and I think it can also be like something, a device that's implanted in your arm, like mm-hmm. a small do little we? implant. And it just um, releases hormones Right. And, yeah, so it's just like you don't have to remember to take a pill. It does the regulation for you. Yeah. yeah. Along the same lines of the shot, too. Right. Like, right all of these right. are just hormone based and it uh-huh. depends on the method that's easiest yeah. for you with your lifestyle, whether or not you're going to you know, remember to take a pill yeah. or go to the doctor every three months to get a shot. And note that like the IUD and the patch had by far. I was looking at a report that had um, success that like had success rates in like that were like basically measured as like the percentage of women that had an unwanted pregnancy while using this particular contraceptive and IUD and the patch both had over a 99.7 success rate. So which point, is impressive as hell. Point oh two percent of women experience unwanted pregnancies on these, which is like very over the course of an entire year of using them and being sexually active. It's like extremely small. So that's note that that's not like you have a 0.2 chance of being pregnant every time you use it. That's, <laughs> if you have sex every single week for an entire year, it adds up to a 0.2 chance of being pregnant, which means it's way smaller per yeah. time. Um, hmm. And so, yeah, so and so that was like a 99.7% success rate over the course of an entire year. Yo, I always forget we're living in the future. Because, <laughs> like, I, don't know, I was reading uh, a book, I think it was the Ringworld series, and these people yeah. just have contraceptive crystals installed in their body somewhere, right. and it just it didn't specify a mechanism. Yeah, but yeah. That's a potential one for women. Right. Is the, the way the patch works. Right. So <laughs> like, just, literally, we have, we literally so have a thing that you just pl- yep. implant under your skin. Yep. Yeah, and yeah exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty good. We are in the future. It is the future. It is the future. Future. <laughs> yeah, and that was that book is supposed to take place like thousands of years in the future. Oh yeah, it's like <laughs> mastered space travel. Damn, we're good. Okay, maybe not the space travel thing, but we're oh, yeah. so, but it's also like we're damn good at contraceptives for both genders. Sure. Oh, uh, okay. okay, so now we're gonna talk about really quickly. Um, the like actual barrier methods. I'm really just going to talk about condoms because like those are the big ones. They're like the most frequently used ones, and also like pretty much everything I'm about to say applies to all the other kinds of barrier methods as well. Um, so condoms, unfortunately, are not as effective, like I said, as the other methods that we've talked about. So uh, when I was saying that like there was a 0.2 percent chance of unwanted pregnancy with the patch over the course of an entire year of being sexually active, condoms with quote unquote perfect usage have a 2% chance of pregnancy over the course of the year. Now, that's self-reported perfect so usage. So perfect use may or like, not be actually perfect. perfect. So, yeah. right. Yeah, so the exactly. person using the condom is really going to have no idea. They yeah, basically I put have it on them. my head. That's how I use it, right? <laughs> they had, per- a, used they it had a questionnaire to evaluate head. whether they were checking for damage before use, um, unrolling correctly, like applying it correctly. And I'll talk about a little bit sort of how all these things you know, putting it on at the right time, taking it off at the right time, um, removing it at the correct time, like withdrawing your penis at the correct time. Um, and the people who answered those questions had a 2% chance of unwanted pregnancy over the course of a year. However, people certainly could have just not known that they were doing it wrong, not been thoroughly checking for damage, not actually been putting it on at the right time, etc. lots of other things. Um, so it's kind of, it's really hard to gauge. And also note that like people who were like, improperly using condoms have like a 15% chance of unwanted pregnancy over the course of a year, which is like basically attributes almost all of the unwanted pregnancies with condom use to 
using it poorly. So we're going to actually <laughs> talk about how to use a condom correctly because like all the other ones are really self-explanatory. You don't have to do anything for an IUD or a patch or an injection and like the pill is just take it every day and you're fine. Um, condoms are actually like unfortunately tricky to use. They're really not, but like they have they a should, lot more, yeah, they have a lot more parameters than the other things. Um, so I'm just going to run through this really quick. Between 17% and 51% of people reported putting on a condom after intercourse had already begun. Don't do that, especially... Or, well, I mean, do that if you haven't yet put one on. Right. Don't let it get to that point. Yes. Um, (laughs) Especially if you're specifically attempting to avoid STDs, because semen itself is not necessary for the transfer of STDs. Some of them are Mm contact-based. A lot of them are just sexual fluid-based, and so pre-cum is enough, and vaginal fluid can be enough, and so you're absolutely screwed if you like start having sex and then are like, oh wait, I forgot the condom. Um, and then put it on. However, like Zach said, if you remember halfway through, you should put it, it on because otherwise pregnancy could happen and that would suck. Um, pregnancy so can happen unless you come too. Unless it wouldn't suck, in which case you're attempting to get pregnant, in which case don't use a condom because that'd be also dumb. Um, okay. So 13 to 44% of individuals in the studies had taken the condom off before intercourse was over i really can't imagine like why anyone would ever do that unless they're actively trying to like act out a porn scene in which they come in like a weird place that's not inside someone yo baby let me see those drapes yeah um (laughs) (laughs) have you never had a fantasy about like coming out to a curtain is that only me really am i the only one okay anyway on a curtain on a curtain the curtain I mean, it's got to be like a nice curtain, okay. like not like that's more understandable. Yeah, like not the cotton bullshit. Oh like, yeah, no, I'm yeah, talking yeah, like yeah. I'm talking like pure, like Bell- really <laughs> nice, like silk curtain. Taylor's totally yeah. into wait, wait, it. Color? <laughs> <laughs> I'm automatically. I'm prone to as green. Red as yeah, I went straight for red. Yeah. Why did I think red? Okay. Um. Anyway, so that's earlier. So leave it on the entire time. So like, until you are completely finished ejaculating, do not take off the condom. Unrolling a condom before putting it on. Between 2% and 25% of people reported unrolling a condom before putting... Okay, there's a reason that condoms are rolled up. It's Not so that you can unroll space. it storage. onto your dick. That's like that's the point. It, that's it rolls a specific way. So you just put it on and just... Shoop, you don't have to there do it is. anything. But it's so easy. You just take it and you like put it on the tip and then you unroll it down. Mm-hmm. And then it's covering you. But completely. people unroll it and then have to slide it on like a glove. Ah. Please no. Like putting on a pair of skinny jeans. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They'll like walk like it up your dick. Yeah, do. so never do that. Um, no space at the tip. Okay, this is actually sort of important and people might not be super aware of it. Actually, before you unroll it, you should pinch a little bit of the middle of the condom so that when you unroll it, there's a little bit of space between like the tip of your penis and the tip of the condom. And because actually, a lot of condoms now have like little. Yes, sort of they have little, the and you really don't like, even don't have to worry about it most your, of the yeah. time. But you should still do it because the semen needs to go somewhere. Otherwise, it'll just and otherwise, it out the back. And exactly. And so, you ever like, used a Jello mold? Some, or, or sorry, a Play-Doh mold. I mean, oh yeah, you just like comes yeah. out of like the sides. So order. yeah, yeah. So the problem is that if it comes out the sides and still goes inside the girl, it's you've done nothing. <laughs> you've, <laughs> it's been worthless. You, you yes. get done goofed. <laughs> you done goofed. Um, so, leaves some space at the tip. Uh, failing to remove air. So, 
air wasn't squeezed from the... It's the squeezing thing we were yeah. talking about. That's not... Anyway. Um, inside out condoms. Between 4 and 30% of people reported rolling a condom inside out Which and then flipping it the other way around after having rolled it on inside out. Firstly, I have no idea how you roll a condom it on inside out. It literally rolls a specific way. If you wanted to roll it the wrong way, you'd have to like... <laughs> it'd be like so complicated. It'd be amazing. It'd be so hard also, to do. once you've put a condom on and then taken it off, you need a new condom. That's it. I'm sorry. If you've put it on and then you take it off, you just you need a new one. You're, that condom's done now. Guys, they are one use only. Don't Retired. reuse condoms, please. <laughs> so even if you, if you it, like haven't gotten anything in there, just yeah. Just, even even if you put it on inside out, I'm sorry, you're down a condom, but you need a new condom. They're fucking cheap as hell. If you they're you free the on campus. They're free on campus. Um, yeah, anyway, so failing to unroll all of the way, 11% of women and 8% of men started intercourse before a condom was unrolled all of the way. Okay, so we were talking about that leaking out <laughs> thing. You just sort of hung it on the tip. <laughs> just the tip. <laughs> oh, it'll just roll on itself. <laughs> you can do it. Between you know what? That's, that's, well, that's kind of a fetish. Some people have a fetish of, like, putting on a condom with their mouth or something, which yeah, is, like, less dangerous right. because your mouth can't get pregnant. Fair enough. Um, but taste? it can get STDs, though. Flavored condoms. So be aware of yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. Um, between 2 and 11% of people had open condom packets with sharp objects. Okay, so the thing with a condom is that it only works <laughs> if it's liquid tight. If it's not liquid tight, it doesn't do anything so because the liquid comes out. If you it puncture it with a sharp thing, More then than it's likely useless. You damage the <laughs> yeah. Useless. Do not open the package with like a knife or your keys. They're like or made to be opened they very easily. They have, they have the little ridges at the top. You just, you just like pull them apart and then pull the wrapping the off. <laughs> and baby condom. Then there's a condom. Oh, inside. baby condom. It's yeah. Don't it's a, store it with your needle collection. Please. <laughs> <laughs> also, they all say on the package exactly the temperature range to be stored in. Store them in that temperature range. Luckily, it's room temperature. <laughs> it's, like, it's not like, oh, I forgot to put my condoms in the freezer. I gotta thaw them out before to the date tonight. Like, no, it's just yeah, if it's how well designed. <laughs> yeah, right. It's almost just, as if we designed it to be as easy and functional yeah, as fucking it's possible. It's as easy as it could possibly be. No lubrication. This is an interesting. Actually, so a lot of condoms have lubrication already. Why are you okay? Um, a lot of condoms already have lubrication. However. The best way to use a condom is to use a non-oil-based lubricant. Oil-based lubricants, such as petroleum jelly, sure, yes, um, can degrade the condom in use because the condom itself is an oil-based product, and they'll like a lot of times like it'll degrade and then be not as effective. You can have little micro holes that are large enough for more sperm prone to, to breakage come out. too. Yes, also that. So. Don't use those, but you should use some kind of lubricant if the condom itself is not lubricated because otherwise friction will just make holes, which is a problem, obviously, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, condom reuse. Between 1% and 3% of respondents reused a condom at least twice during a single at sexual least encounter. Twice. Like, at least twice? Please, no. Just do this, no. people. <laughs> Why twice? It's so bad. That's... Yeah. Hold on, babe. I gotta go rinse this. <laughs> All right, hold on, baby. I gotta go rinse this again. <laughs> um, so, and go rinse this incorrect Vaseline. withdrawal, failing to promptly and <laughs> properly withdraw after ejaculation. Okay, so here's the thing: you put the condom on your penis, and your penis is like, you know, erect because you're about to have sex, and then you have sex, and then you ejaculate. Condoms full of sperm, and then 
You just ejaculated, so your penis starts shrinking. Guess what's no longer airtight? <laughs> the condom with all of the sperm in it. Don't accidentally pull out and leave the condom in there. So <laughs> here's the deal. I'll tell you exactly how to do it. As soon as you're done, wait till you're done, but as soon as you're done ejaculating, you put your hand down there, Ew, wrap cooties. it around the base of the condom, and then pull out. That way, A, you won't leave the condom inside. Autobots, pull out. B, none of it will get squeezed out on your way out, and you'll actually make it like watertight the whole time. Then you take it off, and you throw it away, and you clean off because your dick still has sperm on it. killed Dave. <laughs> Why? What? <laughs> he said Autobots pull out. <laughs> Come on. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, hopefully that goes... Th- we gotta. We really got to get to the myths and misconceptions. Health tips by Shane. Yeah, thanks. Um, so there's... We got to go... These are actually feel very important. We're going over, but I don't really care because hockey's done. Um, no, we're done. It's fine. So, it's a uh, show. It doesn't matter if we go all over. So I think this one's like super important. Um, there's like this huge myth. This used to be like a really big deal and sort of still is a really big deal. Hymen break. Oh, yeah. So first we're going to talk about... So this topic that we're going to go into yeah. now, we're going to talk about a lot of myths and misconceptions that people have about sex and like why most of these are fucking bullshit. So, yeah, carry on. So, myths about your hymen. First myth about your hymen. When you first have sex... Shane, what's a hymen? Just to, for those of us who are... That's a good question. Okay, so a hymen is a small... It's a like piece of tissue that partially covers or surrounds your vaginal opening. It's on the inside mm-hmm. of the, like, the actual vaginal opening. Um, note I did not say covers or obfuscates. Partially covers. Usually it's crescent-shaped. So at the bottom, you just have like an up-facing crescent um, of like tissue. It doesn't even usually cover half of the hole. Um, and most importantly, when you put things in there... It stretches. It's stretchy. So that'll get to our first myth about hymens, is that the first time you have sex, you'll bleed a lot because your hymen will break. Okay. So your hymen actually doesn't need to break at any point during your entire life. Yep. First thing to note, if your hymen breaks before puberty, most of the time it heals itself, like all other parts of your body. Um, In fact... A lot of the times... It's not just a thing that breaks... When you break your arm, it doesn't just get stuck there forever. <laughs> your body likes to heal itself. And more importantly, what a concept. Like, yeah, right. So, um, so it's like tissue, right? It would be like if you like had a cut on your finger and then it just stayed cut for your entire life. <laughs> Obviously, that doesn't happen. So, first thing. So, like I said, hymens don't have to break during sex. However, they also can break doing lots of other things that aren't sex, like running, putting in a tampon, getting on a horse, getting off a horse, riding a horse, (laughs) Um, masturbation. Your friend Jack is on a horse. Do you help your friend Jack (laughs) off the horse? God damn it, Zach. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, the point is, so lots of things can potentially break your hymen. Penises aren't some sort of magical hymen-breaking tool. No. (laughs) Lots of things can break your hymen, before most of the times it will heal itself after that happens and it doesn't necessarily need to break and it doesn't necessarily hurt lots of girls don't notice if their hymen breaks beforehand and you can live your entire life and in fact 57% of women reported 
having no breakage or bleeding during the first time having sex. That's amazing. 60%? So you can live your whole life never... No, I read the opposite statistic. Yeah. Then what's written down there. I read it as the opposite. Yeah. So um, you can live your whole life without ever ripping your, your hymen. Ever. It's really possible. But, but Shane, so how... But what if I, like, you know, want to make sure that she's a virgin? Can't I, like, see if her hymen's broken? First thing, no. Uh, you actually usually can't tell. Doctors, like, even, like, unless it happened very recently, doctors a lot of times can't even tell if the hymen was ever broken. Secondly, you're an idiot. Why do you care? Thirdly, <laughs> thirdly, it's not a good measure, even if you could tell really accurately and it was for some reason important to you, because you can break it lots of other ways. And it really has nothing to do with having sex at all. It is inside a sexual organ, but, like, is not inherently tied to sex. That's just sort of something we made up. So, so virginity tests are, like, preposterous and not evil. Not a thing? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it's, <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. What um, a concept. Yeah, so it's, like, just something to know. And, like, also the whole, like, it will hurt. Like, your first time having sex will hurt and be terrible and blah, blah, blah. Like... I can't speak from a girl's perspective. Taylor probably can. But, like, it's not like you're bound to feel awful. I've spoken to plenty of girls who said it was great the first time. It was so awesome. I've spoken to plenty of girls who was like, yeah, it was pretty uncomfortable for, like, a week and a half of doing it. And then, like, now it's awesome. And I feel like it's also, like, a mental thing, too, right? Yes. Also, right. Yeah. 100% mental thing. Right. Well, not if you're time. not relaxed, think about what happens to your muscles. We'll okay. Get into we're talking about that? Okay, cool. So, um, yeah. Let's go into the next myth. That's a sure. good segue into the next myth the next myth is but but what happens if you if a girl like sleeps around a lot that means she's like a slut and her vagina will be like super loose right all right well first off fuck you for using the word slut that's outdated (laughs) and awful and sexist and stop using it secondly (laughs) your vagina doesn't get super duper loose from having a lot of sex that's not how it happens hot dog down a hallway pencil down a mine shaft no etc not a thing (laughs) because The contraction of your vagina is controlled by muscles. And so you can flex a muscle or you can relax a muscle. And so when you are aroused or some in some way like ready to have sex, your vagina can contract and it will be a little bit looser. If you are anxious or nervous, for example, the first time you have sex, your vagina will tighten itself up and... It will feel tighter, I guess, but that's well, the thing. Right. It's and not the, actually the that is, it's any tighter or looser. It's just that it's literally a muscle right. that is contracting around yeah. it. <laughs> and it's something you can literally exercise. Guys and girls have yes. like similar muscles around there. Um, guys can use them to like control their erections a little bit better, control ejaculation a little bit better, control like the movement of their penis, which is kind of funny. Um, and girls Sweet can use them to for test fencing. To, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Girls can use them to practice. Perry. like to practice stop it um you know controlling their vaginal tightness and stuff like that which is something that can feel good for both partners during sex um because increased friction but also you don't necessarily want to have increased friction literally the entire time yeah which is part of why girls can have negative experiences the first time they have sex because if you're really tight it could just hurt bad because you're also tense. it could be potentially why young women sometimes have trouble putting in a tampon for the first time because they're anxious as shit about it yeah and it just tightens up exactly and it's like well it's hard to put stuff in there. Yeah. So also, so after sex, for example, so, you know, you're nice and aroused and it loosens up a bit. After sex, goes right back to its normal shape. Size, it just, it like 
closes up a bit to its normal opening size and is totally ready for next time. It does not get some sort of forever dis- permanently distended by yeah. having a lot of sex. That's not true. So, like, hookers don't have, like, loose vaginas or whatever. It's just... I mean, it's a muscle. Vaginas differ from not, people to people. None of your other muscles do that either. Yeah. I just... However... <laughs> Multiple childbirths and age can contribute to um, muscle weakening. And, of course, like that kind of stuff, age contributes to muscle weakening in all manners. So, you know, if you're old or you have had a lot of children, you can have some looseness, but nowhere near the extent that most people, like, believe you can get just by having a lot of sex. But that can be remedied pretty easily with, uh, well, not completely remedied, but with what Shane was talking about with... um, Kegel exercises. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. There's literally an entire... Colleen found this whole hilarious workout thing where the women literally put weights in their vagina... Huh? And then, like practice holding them for extended oh, periods oh, of time. Kind of funny. That's it's cool. pretty hilarious. That is pretty cool. Yeah, there's like a whole workout routine. Anyway, um, do I move on to the big well, thing? Well, so next up, uh, and hold the and bend and lift and hold. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So uh, the same rules about uh, vagina contraction apply to the anus as well. Anal sex doesn't. The old joke about oh he was a wide receiver or tight end now he's a wide receiver. No, that's. <laughs> Anal sex doesn't necessarily normal anal sex does not cause permanent looseness or anal even anal incontinence. People think like, oh well, you know, if I like you know have a lot of anal sex, I'm gonna like lose control of my bowels. <laughs> not the case. Your butt will not be completely destroyed unless you do like crazy shit. But like <laughs> obviously, don't do that unless you want to and are prepared for the consequences. But you know, it's it's not just like normal anal sex will cause you to like lose control of your butthole. <laughs> It's out of control. <laughs> it's going everywhere. Um, Next up. Oh, yeah. you, no, you can, you can go for it. Unless you, um, oh, yeah. Well, so there's the, you know, there's the whole, this is like the most common trope everyone's ever heard about dick size. Second most common trope. Okay. You know what they say about <laughs> yeah, guys with big feet. Big socks. That's about all you can say. <laughs> <laughs> no statistically significant link between penis size and the size of other body parts has ever been found. Which, to be perfectly honest, is super fucking weird. Like, think about that. That is probably the only part of your body that you can't correlate with the size of any other part of your body. There's just this one component of you that can be any size, and it's unrelated at to all to how large you are. Else. Which is really weird. Wait, gentlemen, can I ask a question? Oh God! Oh boy! Surely. Okay, all right. I'm just, I'm just. Go for it. No, go. Up. You go gotta it. ask. All right. So I see ads really late yes. on TV at night. Infomercials, if you will. Very inappropriate. Penis enlargement. Yeah. Is that a thing? No. So you, there's, you get these spam inboxes too. Like increase your penis size by seven inches. Seven thousand percent. Penis enlargement doesn't work. The best is the pictures that are like absolutely hysterically photoshopped where they like <laughs> took a regular picture of a guy and then just like stretched it and you can tell that like his hips are weirdly long as or like, well or like a guy who's like holding a sausage log and is like <laughs> look what this guy did to improve his sex life no penis enlargement is not a real thing there's no good science behind it there's no vacuum methods don't really work um any sort of enlargement methods vacuum methods work. work for 10 minutes yes <laughs> and like and like about space. a quarter of an inch it works the same way like a bruise sometimes swells because a lot of blood is there because it got sucked there. So so it doesn't actually, there's no thing that penis enlargement is like, nor does it mean anything. Also, there's apparently like 12% of the population thinks that their oh, yeah. penises are too small. However, 
Statistically, ab- like abnormally small penises, micro penises only account for 0.6% of the population. So if you think your dick is too small, you're probably wrong. Almost it's not definitely. the size of the boat. It's the motion of the ocean. <laughs> also there true. Also true. You're not any sort of better Confirmed at sex necessarily because you have a bigger dick. Because think about it. Vaginas can only be so big. If you have just an absolutely monster 20-inch cock, you're only going to get about five inches in there. Please no. And other than that, it's just going to be, you're just going to be very far away from her. And just like, you're not going to be able to do anything about it. And we were talking earlier about like... Leave room the, for Jesus. We were talking about... Uh, that's hilarious. We are talking about the G-spot thing, right? Like, G-spots are like two to three inches inside the vaginal opening. So as long as you got three inches, you're fine. Because that's the important part. Damn it. <laughs> anyway, there's other things that are about penis size. Uh, I'm a shower, not a grower. I've heard, of the, I've heard of this one too, right? It's like, okay, well, maybe my flaccid dick is small. But like, you know, if you have a smaller thing, it'll grow to be bigger when it's erect. Not necessarily the case. There's no correlation between flaccid length and erect length. Which does actually lead to the hypothesis that there are showers and growers. Yes. Because there's literally no but correlation it's individual between those two things. Yeah. <laughs> there's perfectly valid to be a shower and yeah. not a grower. But not necessarily. That's not always the case. That's right. not always the case. Yeah. It's not. It's individual variation. Some people have very long flaccid penises <laughs> that don't get much longer when they're erect. Some people have very tiny flaccid penises that get huge when oh. they're erect. All right. Let's, I think we should definitely move to the last one. Okay. Or the second, the second to last one. This is the the most common trope yeah, cliche about yeah, penis size. There. Once you go black, you don't go back <laughs> because apparently black people have large penises. Now, wait. First thing to note: we literally just talked about how having a big dick isn't the best thing in the world. Second thing, well, and then you can, let's go with the second thing. There is literally (laughs) no correlation, no scientific evidence, no statistically significant data that shows any sort of correlation between between race and penis size whatsoever. Hmm. Different dicks or different sizes on different dudes. Nothing to do with the color of your skin. Yeah. Also, race doesn't mean anything biologically, but (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a whole different... Yeah, we'll talk about Colleen's. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, so Catholic upbringing or Christian? Christian. Um, So yeah, so I mean, you know, now it's supposed to be the case that in public school in the United States, you're supposed to receive sexual education as part of your curriculum. Lots of schools sort of avoid it, and lots of people go to private schools where they don't have that regulation. It's not required at all. Also, lots of schools like my school that was like a great school in a relatively progressive area just had bad sexual education. It was like, it was fine. It was there. They said some things, but like didn't get into the nitty gritty, basically just told us about STDs and STIs and that was about it. Yeah. We really focuses on STDs. Nothing about, yeah. And exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It was in a very similar area to me and like definitely inadequate. Yeah. hundred percent inadequate. Like, and it's, it's really a shame that like you have to find out all this shit on your own because it's actually not easy. There's so much like very complex. There's a lot of information. So much bullshit out there. Like so many people just spouting absolute bullshit because they don't know. And so they make shit up. And it's really hard to figure out on your own a lot of the stuff unless you have very good communication with your partner. And even then, there's a lot of stuff you just won't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the problems that accompanies like not actually being taught this stuff really well is that you're going to learn a bunch of random ass made up shit from your friends. And one of the things that you're going to potentially learn, especially as a female, is there's a lot of emotional baggage that accompanies sex and a lot of it's bad. And... It's sort of unfair. It puts a lot of emotional pressure on women to have sex for the first time. It puts a lot of emotional pressure on women to remain being virgins, which 
if that's something that you that's a choice that you're making for yourself that's fine but also if it's a choice that you don't want to make for yourself that is equally valid and 100 percent acceptable and like it's led to this entire society of slut shaming where having sex lots for girls is terrible and everyone thinks they're awful for it, which is well, preposterous. Well, if a key can open a lot of locks, it's a I'm literally not going to let you finish that no, because no, no, it makes me so angry. So he can use his uh, counter example. But if a lock okay, gets opened good, by good. a lot of keys, it's a shitty lock. Well, let me tell you why comparing people to inanimate objects is stupid. <laughs> I can make an equally stupid analogy. If a mouth that has a lot of hot dogs in it in the past... That's a perfectly good mouth. I have no problem with that mouth. But a hot dog that's been in a lot of mouths. No, thank you. <laughs> equally stupid, equally invalid, equally exactly. let's not in compare fact, human beings to inanimate objects. closer because you're actually involving some biology in there. You're yeah, there's at least mouth. people. Also, it implies that the purpose of a vagina is to keep things out. Like, <laughs> what kind of bullshit backwards medieval sort of yeah. anti-women thinking is that? Yeah. The whole thing is insane. So, um... I don't know, Taylor, do you want to, like, give any insight just to, like, in general, like, some of the stuff that you might have experienced, like, either yourself or you've heard of your friends experiencing, like, because it's hard for me because, like, when I have have these sort of same pressures when it comes to sex. They have pressures, but they're different and usually not as, like, challenging to deal with on an emotional level. I don't know. If you don't have any input, that's fine also, but. Um, as far as, like, you know, what it's like uh, being a woman and having sex with multiple men. Like, just sort you- of like, I mean, mostly like, I just want to like, make sure we cover any sort of like misconceptions women could have about like, the kinds of like negative emotional effects that having sex could have. So like, being over becoming immediately overly attached to the man that you're having sex with or woman that you're having sex with, or, um, you know, like not being able to feel a- the same way about yourself. We had like, um, just to bring up an example, Colleen was telling us earlier that like, she was like, yeah, like you know, our school, she went to a Christian school. She was like, yeah, our school like had, uh, this, you know, one of the teacher's wives come in and like tell this story about how like, you know, she had sex with like a bunch of football players and felt terrible about herself. The whole field had, had felt terrible about herself for the rest of her life for doing something like that. Until until she met the man she would marry. Yeah. Right. Which is like awful. I mean, because, because here's the deal. It was probably true. And that's horrible that that happened to her. Mm-hmm. But it's also horrible to think that that could now happen to somebody else who it otherwise wouldn't happen to because they were told that story. Well, honestly, I think it's just bad because I also went to a public school that didn't really cover sex ed very yeah. well. And so in the way that they did it, they covered STDs, they covered STIs, but that was it. Yeah, exactly. And Same. so we're kind of like left to our own devices to navigate how to reconcile the emotional side of things. And usually, like you guys said, it, there's usually a negative stigma with having sex as a woman. Right. And um, I don't know. I just I think that when two people are comfortable with themselves and they're confident in their decision and they're OK with it, then go for it. Don't, you know, think about number of partners of course for stds and stis yeah think about that like (laughs) use a condom but i mean don't hold someone against or don't hold something against someone because they've had sex with right because it doesn't mean that they're like any sort of a bad person it doesn't mean it literally means nothing about them yeah you did you can't determine any they had sex with a bunch of number of people they've had sex with means one thing it means that's the number of people that they have you can't determine any other characteristics of that person Mm -hmm. based on that number yeah and if you're dating somebody that asks you know. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> like, why does it matter? <laughs> right, exactly, and and 
it's also something that's like deeply personal. And listen, if you're not ready, then you're not ready and don't do it. But also, if you're ready, be open to the possibility that you might in fact be ready. You like, it's hard to tell sometimes, but like, don't feel forced into things. Don't do anything you're not comfortable doing, but also be open to the idea that maybe it is like something that could be beneficial to you in your relationship. So it turns out that like sex doesn't magically give you emotional issues. If you have emotional issues, you're probably going to have emotional issues after you have sex. Yeah. So it doesn't fix you it doesn't, or break you. Yeah, it just if you have emotional issues, you're going to have emotional issues. If you And if you have if your relationship is in a bad emotional place and then you have sex, it's not going to put your relationship in a better emotional exactly. place. Exactly. So, I think we could probably leave it with that. All right. Yep. One last PSA. When it comes to all this stuff, like we said, it's complicated. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of bullshit out there. If you have a question, just ask. It's okay. Most people won't make fun of you. Or Especially you should, your doctor. Or also, yeah, yeah. Ask dear your doctor. doctor. Also, ask doctor. don't make fun of your friends if they ask you a question. Don't say, that's a stupid question. Why don't you know that? Just be like, okay, I'm going to inform you now. Because if you don't inform them and you make fun of them, you might have to be a godfather soon. So <laughs> really let's help each yeah. other out and, and not make fun of people who are asking stupid it. The one person that will 100% listen to you and give you an honest answer is your doctor. Doctors, you, that's what their job that's is. That's literally what they're there for. And they, they are, don't find another one. Yeah, seriously. If they laugh at you, say fuck you and find another doctor. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we'll leave it at that. Um, well, that was sex. That, was, that was scientifically speaking. Thank you all so much for listening to us this past year. We have had a lot of fun, and we can't wait to get back into it in fall. Thanks to Taylor for joining us today on our Woo! last show. Oh, it was my pleasure. We're going right. really to let you guys pleasure. go. We're going to sign out. And uh, we'll see you soon. Oh, let me do that again. Okay. <laughs> all right, hold on. Great. All right. See you later. Cherry.